Yo, what's up? Hope everybody is doing all right today. I kind of want to start this episode off with something a little raw, and I want to dive right into it. I found a lady on on the TikToks that uh, posts some pretty strong messages from time to time. And uh, I watch it, and I carefully observe, and I, I take mental note, and I save her videos. Um, they seem pretty, you know, pretty serious. She's got a look on her face like if you were a kid, and she was the teacher at the daycare, and you got in trouble, and this woman came after you, you know? I could only imagine how serious of a situation that that would be. Oh, boy, you would not want this woman coming after you, man. No way. So I'm going to start off with uh, this clip from this lady, and I want you guys to pay attention to it, and then we're going to go from there. Check it out. Do you know why you are seeing so many addicts, the lost, rising up? They are proclaiming the power the love, the grace of God on their lives. Do you know why? Because God is raising up his army. Those who have seen the devil, we lived with him, we worked with him. He's raising those up. To show those who think because they attend a church building and they've memorized some scriptures that they are the righteous. They honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. They deny the power thereof. He's raising up those who were cast aside left behind, discredited, laughed at, talked about, slandered. He's raising them up. He's making the least the greatest and the greatest the least. If you are lost, if you are in addiction, If you are suffering with suicidal thoughts because of trauma, rejection, abandonment, come to the Lord. He's going to raise you up just like he has the rest of us. This is not about religion. This isn't about a church building. This is about the true power of God. We were made for this time for a reason. We endured hell on this earth for a reason. Repent and rise up. Know who you are, who God created you to be in this hour. It's worth it. The true army of God is being shown. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
I have had a lot of thoughts on what I want to present in this episode. I am I have no notes. I've highlighted a couple of things in my Bible recently and before I, before I get started really on a roll here with what I want to talk about, I want to talk about a dream that I had in about, I think it was 2014, maybe 2015. The dream basically consisted of uh, being in one of those new neighborhoods, you know, where they cut down all the trees and build the cracker boxes and everybody lives in the same style house, has the same style car, and everybody's just fine and dandy. And uh, we're all out in the middle of the road having a birthday party. So I'm standing in the road, and the road goes to my left and to my right, and I'm looking at the party with these long fold-out tables and kids, and it's a cloudy day, but it's nice out. You know, I could feel the air like 70, 74 degrees, and, you know, it's, it's just a nice day. And I look to my left, and I look to my right, and I see the fold-out tables and the party going on, and it's pleasant, and it's nice. But then I look straight ahead past the neighborhood because we're up on a hill and I look in between these two houses that seem kind of lower than me because of our elevation obviously and I see things in the sky and these things ended up becoming more clear and more clear and it was three images of three men bigger than normal as if it were they were spiritual giants or if they were, you know, angels. One of the men, two of the men, I couldn't really make out uh, exactly what they looked like, but there was one man standing there that was closer and more in focus than the other two behind him. And he had on a dark blood red robe with a sash and he had things in his pockets and as I noticed these three things these three people these three angels these three abnormal beings in the sky I could not take my eyes off of it. So by me being froze, I noticed around me and felt people starting to turn and to notice these things in the sky. And I remembered feeling the breeze and hearing the party get quiet because everyone started to see and to feel the eeriness of the situation. And it got so quiet that you could hear the Backstreet Boys playing on the little PA that somebody brought for background music for the party. I hate the Backstreet Boys. And I hate being stuck somewhere where the Backstreet Boys are playing. I don't care if it's a waiting room. I don't care if it's... Oh, 
God help me. That is the worst stuff ever. That being said, all I could hear was the wind and the Backstreet Boys. And it was a very eerie, terrifying moment. And the man with the blood red robe reached into his pocket, pulled something out, had it in his hand, stretched his hand out, and blew on it as if it was blowing a kiss. And whatever, it flew out of his hand and started coming towards us, and it was a dove with light brownish feathers. And we watched this dove approach, and we were all staring at the dove, but everybody started getting terrified because the land behind the dove was like, an asteroid impact was just like, and then I woke up. I've had dreams before that have shaken me. I'm not a big dreamer. I usually don't remember dreams, but that dream in detail, I remember. I'll never forget that dream. I'll never forget the dream that I talked about where I saw my daughter's silhouette up in the bleachers and it was the goodbye that I needed. I'll never forget that one. Being on TikTok, I have found people that talk about dreams and things that are coming to pass after they dream things. I even found a woman that talked about... um, her account this this sucks her account is deleted she had some kind of a birthmark on her face that looked like a red hot iron i don't know if it's like a surgery procedure or something that's going on with her face but she deleted her account because people were making fun of her and all she was doing was posting about her dreams and talking about how she loved the lord and people were ruthless I'm glad I saw that, and I'm sorry that she had to go through that. But uh, that was one of the things that was putting the blade to the stick for me and, you know, helping me to become a spear. I hate making fun of people. I used to do it all the time. I really don't do it anymore. But, um... Her account's gone now, but she got my attention one day because she said, I had a dream that I was at a party in a neighborhood and I heard the Backstreet Boys and I turned and I saw the Lord in the air wearing a blood red robe. And she didn't say anything about the destruction that came after he blew the dove out of his hand, but that got my full attention. She didn't know what the dream meant. She didn't know anything. And before I could send her a message, I tried to send her a message, actually. I never got anything back, sorry, because her account, she deleted her account. She probably didn't read her messages anymore or read her comments. You, you know, if you, if you got something wrong with your face and you're going to post a lot of TikToks, turn your comments off. You can do that. 
I don't think she knew that. And it sucks because now I'm missing out and I'll never know. I'll never know. I also had another encounter that I would like to talk about whenever I started looking for a church, whenever I got, whenever I gave my life back to the Lord in October, I went to a church. I, I had a friend years ago that couldn't stop drinking and he was on all kinds of pills and he committed suicide. And I, that was one of the hardest things ever. I had to give a eulogy at his funeral. I, dude, no good, no good. I went to a funeral. I I went to the funeral at this church. Uh, I felt a a drawing to it because number one, it was just so close to my house. I thought maybe it would be convenient. You know, I thought maybe I could I could go there and I could I could start learning and you know I could really get into the word. And I was just hoping for a lot. But God had other plans for me, so I'll, I'll just take God's plans, and I'm so glad that that church is there, because it is a cool place. Um, nothing wrong with it. It's just not where I needed to be. But I went to this church, ran into a gentleman there um, that I know from Chick-fil-A. He's a manager at a Chick-fil-A, and I saw him every morning as I was you know, working at Rebath at the time over here on my side of town. I would go in there, and the dude, if he was not busy, he was super cool, always chatting it up, just loves music, and I would share bands with him, and he would check it out, and I got to you know, see him and his beautiful family there, and I did not expect him to be there at all. I, didn't, I don't know where he goes to church. We never got around to really talking about God. But uh, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm super glad I ran into him. And then the pastor gets up and starts talking about the road to Damascus. I shake still on the inside whenever I start talking about the road to Damascus. The reason being is because the road to Damascus is when the Apostle Paul was. Uh, on his way to Damascus, and he was persecuting the Christians that um, were believing in Christ. I mean, he was like, you know, making children orphans and killing widows and just, you know, persecuting people for believing in Christ. Um, It was no good. The guy was ruthless. Bad, 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 Paul, bad. Yeah, so Paul was named Saul. And he was there for the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Because Stephen basically told the Sanhedrin leaders, you know, that you always resist the Holy Spirit. And wherever there was prophets, you always persecuted them. They even killed those that predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Talking about Jesus. You who have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed at him, dragged him out into the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. So now I'm going to skip over to Acts chapter 9. I'm just going to read a part of it, and then I'm going to tell you what happened to me in finding this church. Uh, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, that's what they used to call the believers back in the day, rather than men, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. Obviously, right then and there, because of this, he knew it was God. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come from a place his come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here in authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord told Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings And to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And brother Saul, he said, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again, again, and be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. I just realized something. I need to get baptized again.
Ähm. He got up and he was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. I uh I was sitting in that church. The pastor came up there and gave a message on the road to Damascus. I was sitting next to Amy, I was up against the wall. Uh, I was holding her hand and I was listening intently and I started to shake from the inside and I started crying uncontrollably and it was like I was having an anxiety attack. I felt as if I needed to get up and to go, not in a bad way. But something was beyond those doors for me and that I needed to go and pursue God. What's behind me was behind me. I was no longer going to be the person that I was ever again. The riveting earthquake, the shaking of the foundation of myself was crumbling and I was literally falling on God. I have come to the end of myself and I died in that moment. And then that day, that day, I met my mother at Costco. I hate Costco, but I love my mom. So we went to Costco and we get the free snacks and we're walking around being dorks because that's what we do. On the way into Costco, I run into the pastor of an old church that I went to a long time ago, and that church has been in my life pretty much my entire life since middle school. We were just kids. We used to go there to skateboard and hang out because they had some steps in the front of what is now the, the kids' sanctuary. Um, but that used to be the main chapel, and we used to skate there. And the pastors were cool. They would come out, and they would talk with us, and they would hang out. And we weren't destroying anything. Um, and we were very nice to them, and they were cool with us, and they let us skate there. It was great. The concrete was a little rough, but hey, we still made it happen. And it was a good place. And because they let us skate there, one of the pastors came out and talked to us for a long time. Maybe he wasn't a pastor. I think he was like an associate or deacon or some kind of... He's not there anymore. And he wasn't even there when I started going there with my uh, family and my children later on. But he came out there and he's like, Hey, you know, I heard you guys talking about music. You guys playing a band? And we were like, Yeah, we do play in a band. We play in a punk rock band. And the guy's like, well, you guys got any recordings? And we were like, no. And he's like, well, I can record you guys. And we were like, cool. So he recorded us in the sanctuary. And he let us like run on the brick walls or the stone walls that were in there. And like 
lay vocals and it was really cool. It sounds like a demo tape, you know, because it was recorded on a uh, cassette tape and it's just so rough sounded. But we had so much fun and we played like some minor threat songs and some original tunes that we played. And the guy that's actually playing drums in my band now, me and him were on that tape together. It's amazing. So that church was there then. Also, there is, um, you know, I kind of grew up and stopped going to church and started hanging out with friends, uh, skateboarding, listening to a lot of metal and playing punk rock music and just having a good time. Uh, Ended up uh, moving to Atlanta in like 1999. I met uh, the mother of my children down there and we had kind of moved back and had our first daughter. Madison and we met a a friend that had kind of started talking to us both about, you know, the Lord and I always believed in God, but you know, we weren't necessarily looking for a church, but he talked to us and befriended us enough that we were kind of influenced by him. So we went to his church a couple times and it was cool. It was right around the corner from that church that I was just talking about. But it just didn't have the oomph in it. You know, it just, I was just kind of like, ah, this is, you know, this is how you see church in the movies, little small little chapel room, and everybody's like, and then you walk out the door and it's, you know, your day's over. You know, nothing special. Uh, But some people loved it, and that's fine. Well, me and um, Crystal, who's the mother of my children, were both working at the Olive Garden uh, when we were younger, and I had a dead day. I was working there at lunch. And uh, I was in charge of a whole section, just me flying solo, waiting tables, and I had one table. I may have had two tables total during that lunch day. And that was weird at all, Garden, because usually it's so salad and breadsticks! But um, I come around the corner, and there's one dude sitting there. And uh, this dude just starts talking to me. And I'm a real talkative person. So... Me and this guy ended up just, you know, instantly, it's like we were buds. And uh, he's very wise, very smart, very informative, very direct, blunt, and kind of intimidating. And I was like, all right, you know. But he, he's also, uh, he said that he was a deadhead. And uh, I'm not into that. And I am kind of now, and I, I understand what great musicians they are. And Jerry Garcia albums are just amazing. Uh, some of that Grateful Dead bootleg stuff is just... You know, you can't understand what's going on there because the recordings are so bad. But anyway, that besides the point. So um, I meet this guy, Scott, and we ended up becoming... Uh, Pretty good buds. And so he he starts asking me about, you know, Jesus. And this is all during the course of, you know, the shift that I was working. And he ended up sitting there for three hours. And I ended up sitting there talking with him. And um, he was just like, well, man, you know, I, I go to a really good church. And you should come to this church. Because it is just, it's spirit-filled and you you will, you know, you will see Jesus move in your life at this place. And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty awesome because I'm at a church right now and it kind of sucks. And uh, we're actually looking and 
I would love that because it's just good timing, and I'm really thankful that you're telling me about it. What church are you talking about, man? And he he told me the church, and I was just like, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> this church is like, it's been in my life for a long time, and I just have no idea why I'm not there. I completely spaced on it. So I go. And because I go, um, you know, I take um, I take Crystal with me, and we, our children grow there. We got married there. Um, we were heavily involved in the ministries there, and that was up until I left. It's pretty wild. And what makes it even wilder is fast forward to. Around December 2022, I'm in that church. I hear the message about the road to Damascus, and I start freaking out. And then I left the church that day, and I had to go meet my mom at Costco. And right as we were walking in, I run into the pastor of that church, and I love this dude. And I admire this man so much because he prays with his whole heart, and he gets emotional not hysterically emotional. He just has a he just has a heart for prayer and he has a heart for people and I've loved that about him. And I admire him so much because he's just so full of God and uh that is what I need and that's what I wanted and and I and I knew that and I left that church that day feeling like I was blind and I couldn't see and I I felt like a part of me died. And I was terrified and I didn't understand what was going on on the inside because I, I, I felt like I should go to this one church. And then I felt immediately like you need to go. Something else is going to happen. And it was a very odd transition for me. And then boom, that afternoon, I ran into him. I freaked out a little bit. In a good way. But that pastor was my Ananias. And I'm very grateful for that. So I started to go to the church that I now attend, and I've been there every Sunday and every Wednesday ever since. And it was during the, um, it took me a bit. You know, like I, I started following the Lord October, so all this started happening in in December, mid-December, I think. So I, I started going then. It was kind of a weird um, beginning going there because I was trying to get my wife to go with me, and she was hesitant on it because me and my ex-wife went there, and when our children were small, they were basically raised in that church. Uh, obviously before our divorce, I was working in the, um, kids church, uh, just having a blast. Um, but I never, I never could shake the alcohol. Um, I, I, I just couldn't stop drinking. I've been drinking my whole life up until January 30th, 2022. One of the saddest days was when I knew that my marriage was going to be over. There was nothing that I could do. 
to make it work. We tried. We, it just something just wasn't catching, and it fell apart. And we let it go too far, and it was really, really sad. But one of the saddest days ever was me going in there, and I was so dedicated to that children's church and those kids. And I laughed so hard every Sunday. I did puppets and went off script on purpose in front of people that studied and memorized the scripts. And man, it, we had so much fun. I would do music for kids' church, lead worship. Man, it was a blast. And the pastoral staff down there was such an influence on me, but I couldn't shake things off. I was The minute I walked out of those doors of that church, just stress hit me like an atomic bomb. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made was sitting in a stairwell with the children's pastor and telling him that I had to leave because I just was not happy. And I wish I could have worded it to him different and I wish I had more time to explain to him why I wasn't happy because I felt like I could have had a really good shoulder to lean on with this dude. And I love this man so much, dude. And uh, I, uh, I just wasn't happy outside of the church. I was happy in the church. And I, thought, I think maybe he thought I was saying I wasn't happy in kids' church. And then we got interrupted. And that was it. Me, me leaving... That place, oh, I missed it. Oh, I missed it so much. I could have gone back. I went back a couple times, and every time I would go back, there would be a guest speaker, and I was like, God, give me a break. You know, it wasn't my time. Now looking back on it, it, was, it just wasn't my time to go back. Probably would have went, sat down for a few times, and then took off, went right back to what I was doing because my... My drinking got worse. Everything got worse. And along those lines of everything getting worse, I drank to the point of blaming everything else besides myself. I would even tell people that that old church that I used to go to, something's wrong with those people and blah, blah, blah. But at the whole time, I was just mad at myself. For leaving what was so worth keeping. So when you drink a lot and you become numb, you're dumb. And you become a victim. And you and you point the finger and you're blind and you're lost. That place is the only place if I would have stayed there. I would have really remained in something good. But I can tell you, because I left there, because I just couldn't take the tug of war in my spirit when my life was falling apart outside of those church doors, and I had to come in there and pretend to be all happy and work with kids. It just didn't work. I was so torn and I was so tired. But I could have sought counseling. 
in that place. I could have repaired me. Probably still would have gotten a divorce. I don't need to go into all of that. But I think I'm, I'm very happy now that my wife will go with me to this church because I have a history there and it was a hesitance for her to be able to go. All that being said, I couldn't get my wife to really feel comfortable with attending. She would still go with me, but because of the attachment that I had in the past with my ex-wife, which is totally understandable, uh, it caused a hesitance there. But now she really enjoys it. Um, what's kind of funny now is that uh, I go back up in there and I see people that are still going there and they have no idea who I am, which reminds me of why people wear, uh, hello, my name is um, name tags at their 50th high school reunions because we all get older and we all look different. But uh, it's such a beautiful place to be. I went to Atlanta, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, and I wanted to go to a church that um, one of my favorite author slash speakers slash pastors, you know, that I've always looked up to ever since I started believing in Christ, um, uh, started a church. And I went to this church to hear him speak, and it was on Mother's Day, and he had a couple of ladies up there speaking, and it just was not... I felt like I was at a taping of The View. It was weird, dude. And the people there were... Like, everybody was super fancied up, and everybody had money. You could tell. you could The place smelled like cash. It was so weird. And there I was in a, you know, crappy, crappy socks and you know, my plaid shorts and a River Monster Records black hoodie and, you know, just I'm me, dude, you know, I'm not getting dressed up to go to church. No way. So, um, but I just, I did not feel at home. And when I'm sitting there, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to dog dude's church. There's something for everybody, okay? But man, I realized that Every time I go to my church on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, I literally feel like I've just ingested a full meal. I feel so full. My spirit got fed. And I don't know of anywhere else that I have ever taken in so much in so little time than the church that I go to. I am supposed to be in that place to go and to grow there and to go out into the world. And it's just a, it's a secure, comforting feeling. And I look forward to the days where I'm uncomfortable there because I accept those things and I need to feel uncomfortable from time to time. And I think that there are people there that will make me feel uncomfortable in a good way because there's genuine love within the walls of that place. 
and people really care about each other and the prayer and the giving and the loyalty all out of putting Jesus first is in that church that I go to. So I am not saying, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing and come on down to my church. But you're more than welcome to come to my church if you want. Every story that I have told on this podcast about being in church is because of that church. Except for the church that I tried to go to where God told me, turn around, walk out those doors, and get out of here. Because that afternoon, I ran into the pastor of the church that's been around my whole life. I met my old boss at that church. He turned around and gave me the little business card with James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 on it. And, and then we raised our kids there. And then during quarantine, I found out that they were streaming online and I got to sit there and it helped me because instead of cracking open beers every morning, I would just turn on Pastor Chitty and listen to the man talk and it helped me so much, dude. And then I ended up, I ended up, uh, you know, getting counseling and stuff too for the drinking man. But, oh my God, that church has always been there ever since I was a child. It's just been there with open arms and steps to skate on <laughs> find a church where you feel at home and when I mean at home where God speaks to you and allows you to be yourself and you don't have to worry about what other people are doing and other people are saying you just need to worry about you don't need to worry about anything. You need to focus on Jesus and make your life filled with joy because of him. And when you're in a good church that teaches Jesus and the way to live and can dissect the gospels and the Old Testament, it is the most beautiful thing ever. And it is alive and it is so real. And I need to get baptized again. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. And you yeah, to all you people out there, hey, I only need to get baptized once, but I'm gonna do it again. You know why? Because I am completely sober. And I just want to show God and show everyone else that I am so serious about my love for him and I love him so much that's why I want to get baptized again man I'm gonna do it and I'm so glad I came to the realization right here about the dream that I had and the church that I go to because all of that behind that dove was the destruction in my life just uprooted and gone and into the air and it's all because of him and I'm flying forward and I'm 
going to press through and I'm going to make it and I'm going to be okay and I am okay and I'm just now realizing what that dream is about dude and I'm freaking the, I'm freaking out it's amazing <laughs> I pondered that dream for years dude years <laughs> so alright I'm going to go cry now and be happy you guys go find a church, get planted. I gotta do a part two of this thing. <laughs> Cause I just didn't get anywhere that I wanted to go. So until next time, peace be with you. <laughs>